As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Barber <laughs> with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak, gives off to Amos, and he's good, 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 he's it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown, Carolina for Bracey Walker, he blocks his second punt, and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14 to 13, Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata with you guys. As always, and as we do every week, it's time to preview the upcoming game for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And to do that, Josh Marlowe is here with me once again. And uh, now, you know, we've turned away from the Miami game. And now the focus is Wake Forest. And this is setting up to be a fantastic matchup between two in-state rivals, they are rivals. If you go back and look at the history, they, they there is some history there. Uh, they played what every year up until 1994, and then that was uh, that that was cut out um, due to uh, you know some ACC scheduling issues. And of course, now it's become even more rare with the fact of the you know having the ACC Atlantic and ACC Coastal. So um, I think this is one that. You know, for Wake Forest fans, they're excited, but I think there's also a little bit of excitement for Carolina fans with where Wake Forest is at right now as well. Yeah, I mean, it also doesn't hurt that both teams enter the game uh, undefeated. Both mm-hmm. teams are two and zero. Carolina's won a little bit more dramatically both weeks, more so than Wake Forest. Wake Forest, remember, week one had to come from behind against Utah State, so that helps draw interest. Uh, this right. is a rivalry. Of, of some sorts, not really in your and I's lifetime, but in, for older Tar Heel fans, this right. this is a rivalry. Right. Um, it's very big for recruiting, although because it's a Friday night game, there yeah, won't be any recruits at the game. That's a dud for Wake Forest, not not so much for Carolina. But for uh, just you know for bragging rights or whatever, this this plays into that. Mac Brown has spoken a lot since he came back. About you know, same thing we heard a lot of Larry Fedora from beating your in-state opponents matters. Mm-hmm. This is his first chance to to do that um, since he came back to run Carolina football. So you got that aspect. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know entering the season, we when we looked at this game, it was still a highly important game. 
But now there's some national interest in the game with what Carolina's done through two weeks. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest may be that that team on that side of the division that might be best primed to give Clemson a game if that if that makes if that means anything. Um, so yeah. yeah, Friday night, yeah. Uh, six o'clock kick, kind of a weird time, right? But uh, it, it figures to be a, a fun game at BB&T Field. Well, let, let's let's qu- clarify why it is a six o'clock game. It's because it's going to be a doubleheader on ESPN. Uh, Washington State and Houston is going to follow. They moved the game from Thursday night into that six p.m. time slot on Friday night. Apparently, the rumors are that the reason they moved it was because the Panthers are playing on Thursday night. The, the NFL decided that they put the game there even after uh, they had originally scheduled that for that Thursday. So, unfortunately, they had to move it out because, let's be real honest, you're not going head-to-head with the NFL. Um, I don't know how true that actually is. Um, I, I mean, it makes it makes a little bit of sense, but – um, yeah, so they're, they're gonna, you know, they'll, they'll move to Friday. Um, one thing that's that's really interesting. You mentioned the Utah State game for, um, for for Wake Forest. You know, I think a lot of people probably look at that and say, okay, well, you struggled against Utah State. How actually, how good actually are you? Okay, Utah State. It, that, for many Tar Heel fans, you know, it, that are really just Tar Heel focused, maybe know a little bit more about some of the major teams in college football. If you don't know about Utah State, you know they've got one of the best quarterbacks that'll be in the 2020 draft in Jordan Love. So there's there's talent there, um, and of course they, you know, came back to win with a late touchdown. Kendall Hinton, the guy who caught the touchdown. The former quarterback, as many of you guys remember, he's not going to play. He's actually out injured. That's their third leading receiver. So um, that's one of the storylines that came out today. Um, but the but, but for Carolina, of course, there are some injuries that they're going to have to work through. Patrice Renee out for the season, as we learned yesterday. Torn ACL in his right knee. Nick Polino out indefinitely with what they're just calling a lower body injury. And uh, we don't really know uh, what what's happening with Anton Green, although he was listed on this week's depth chart. Um, but again, there has been no clarification on his injury. Um, he just left the field on Saturday night and just never did return to the field. So um, we're wishing the best for him. Trey Shaw, of course, uh, still questionable with an undisclosed injury after last week. The good news is, is that Trey Morrison looks to be fine. Um, he cleared concussion protocol and played on Saturday night. It doesn't seem like that should be much of an issue forward. So um, you know, when you when when you look at how these two teams match up, um, I mean, first of all, for for Wake Forest, uh, a much different Wake Forest team than we've seen in past years. Um, a team that this year wants to throw the football. Jamie Newman is a guy that has thrown for 713 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions already. <laughs> So, I mean, you look at where they're going to be most successful, it's it's very weird because on the outside, it is where they've had the most success. They've got, of course, Sage Sherratt. That's the one that everybody's going to want to talk about, the brother of Chaz, who's off to a great start to his uh, sophomore season. Um, I mean, he's, what, one yard? I think he's one yard shy of leading the team. Yeah, one yard shy. He's got 13 catches, 203 yards, and two touchdowns. Scotty Washington is a little bit of, I mean, he's the surprise guy. 11 catches, 204 yards, and three touchdowns. So he's leading the way for him. But they've 
got two guys that have been really, really effective. And it's kind of weird because, you know, we've, we've seen this Wake Forest team, you know, any of the times that we played them prior, this was a team that was really focused in the passing game on getting it to a slot receiver. Remember last time, of course, that we played a Michael Campaniero was their big guy. They've always had that guy in the slot. They lose Greg Dortch, but they've gotten better on the outside. I think that matches up pretty well for Carolina because Trey Morrison played really well. And even though Greg Ross didn't look as good as he did against South Carolina, he didn't let up any deep passes, which is pretty much, you know, all that we could hope for from him, you know, improving from what we saw last year. And also you got to think about uh, last time we played Wake Forest, they were more of a run-focused team, mm-hmm. um, kind of wanting to shorten the game. Now they're out here, they're, they're slinging the ball around third two games. Uh, averaging 357 yards passing, um, that's pretty good. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know about you. That's that's a pretty good number, right? I mean, you know, you look at the past defenses that they've gone up against. So I, I don't know how great, at, you know, that that number may be a little bit flawed. But yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, they're 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 going to pose a different kind of challenge than they have in the years past when we've prepared for the Demon Deacons. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's still it's still Wake Forest. There's more talent. I would probably lean on on Carolina's side of the mm-hmm. ball defensively. I agree with that. I agree. Um, with that. But I, I think going into this game, look, Carolina, and I wrote about this in the trench report in the second and third quarter. The defensive line got absolutely worked by Miami's front. Right now, to some credit, you give it to the Hurricanes, but our defensive yeah. line disappeared in the middle part of that game. Well, and it was a big except reason, for, except for Timon Fox. Timon and, and, Fox and, and, was there the whole night. I'm talking about the unit. Right, right. And it's a big reason why at one point they, they trailed in the fourth quarter. So there's a chance for Carolina to respond after last week's performance because we, we, we said after the South Carolina game, look, this defense isn't fixed. It's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. They're still going to have problems. Well, it only took one week for them to have problems. Kind of interested to see how they respond now after having a week where they gave up a ton of yards in the air and on the ground. How does Jay Bateman and his group now down your, your best corner – how do you respond to a team that that's going to throw the ball? Right, and on a short week where you really don't have time to get your feet back underneath you, um, you know, I think one of the ways that they can do that is, you know, tackle, especially in the backfield. They had a lot of tackles for loss that they could have had on, again on Saturday night, and that's really been the struggle is is consistently tackling in moments like that. I mean, you got to hand it to them. Once they get downfield, they seem to be fine, but you would like to see them make those tackles in the backfield or closer to the line of scrimmage to keep those big gains from happening. Yeah, Jay Bateman has done a phenomenal job in two games putting our guys in the position to make plays. Mm-hmm. They just haven't made the plays consistently Enough, which, again, we're two weeks in. This this is expected. Um, I, I'm just glad to see that we actually have guys in the right area in the field to make plays. We're not used to that. Yeah. Um, so this, right. is, this is something new. Um, I would be interested to see if Wake Forest looks at what Miami did to us in the middle of the field and try to incorporate that. I know, you know, as we you just mentioned, they've got some guys on the outside that are big-time playmakers, but Miami carved us up in the middle of the field all night long. That's going to be something that's now on film to see other teams kind of use some of that and copycat and see if, if it's going to be there again. Could be something as simple as just to where Jay Bateman aligns his linebackers where they shift in the coverage when they're in the zone, just kind of taking away those one or two yards, and it makes a difference. Um, but it's going to be you know interesting to see if this defensive line can can get pressure. Timon Fox was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Aaron Crawford's been been very good. 
but you know we talked about the missed tackles. They probably had a handful against Miami that they just didn't make. Yeah, Allocator could have had himself a fabulous night, but just couldn't bring down and, the quarterback. And sometimes and, and, they were simple right. either sacks or four or five yard losses that turned into, in reality, big plays because Miami ended up getting seven or eight yards. Now you're in second and two, right? And then it's just a it's just a domino effect after that. And I, I feel like the frustration against Miami was more on the running plays that happened or the screen plays that really allowed, you know, the, a, a guy to get out in open field and make a play. When it came to getting pressure on the quarterback, I felt like really the Tar Heels did a good job at that. Even when they didn't sack the quarterback, uh, Jaron Williams, it, you know, it still affected him at times. He that That is what forced most of his incompletions was the pressure. Other than that, he was on the whole night. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the big concern for me. I mean, you look at just how good Jamie Newman has been so far this year. I mean, completing 74% of his passes, 713 yards. And like I mentioned, six to zero touchdown interception ratio um you know this is going to be a tough test for Carolina's secondary they definitely will have to step up and play a little bit better than they did uh against Miami the good news is I mean you look you talked about the middle of the field the flats were another area and again I mean you 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 listen to where they're having success the middle of the field and the flats are kind of where you want guys to catch the football if they're going to catch the football it's just more about with the middle of the field. I feel like more of the frustration was as the game went along, it went from being six to eight yards to more like 12 to 15, then 15 to 20. You started to see them move the ball down the field a little bit more and start to go with some of those deeper in routes and deeper post routes, and it was still working. That's an area that you've got to be able to stop because, I mean, you got to hand it. This is the one thing that the Toriel secondary has done a great job of so far this year, and they've got to keep this up. They have not allowed the big plays in years past. That has killed this football team. Even though the past, you know, the secondary has has really performed pretty well. Those big plays, that's been what has killed them, especially back in 2018, a year ago. So, I, you know, look, I, I think there's areas that they've got to get better. But, you know, it's like you said, and, and I was preaching for a while last week on the podcast. Look, there are going to be issues for this team. I mean, on, on the defensive side of the football, they're going to have weeks where they're going to struggle. It's just can they shake that off and – step up the next week we'll see i think you know the fact that you 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 know what wake forest is coming in i i don't really think we knew that jaron williams would throw the ball 39 times against us but you know they presented itself and and that's what happened wake forest look you know coming in okay they're gonna throw the ball all time um so i think uh where do where do i want to go with this next because there, there's a couple other aspects that I wanted to talk about with Wake Forest. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting, and I'm wondering uh, if, if you know it, what way you lean on this. Uh, look at look at this quarterback battle: Jamie Newman versus Sam Howell. Uh, I mean, these guys. Look, I, I mean, Newman's stats a little more gaudy, but again, Howell I think has faced the tougher competition clearly as well. Um, when you look at these two guys, I mean, this this is uh, is this one of the better matchups of ACC quarterbacks this year? Yeah, there's definitely a uh, an attractiveness to watch these two guys. 
kind of compete against one one another. Sam Howell through two weeks is as talked about a young quarterback as there is in college football with what he's done in fourth quarter situations against South Carolina and Charlotte week one and what he did last week against uh, Miami in the fourth quarter. That fourth and 17 play um, is now effectively a part of Tar Heel lore with the, the, the play he made that kept the game-winning drive alive. Um, like you said, Newman has put up more numbers, but Howell's done – has been very efficient against better uh, defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, you would kind of think, has probably shootout written all over it. Definitely. Um, so yes. gonna, if this may be one of the game, whichever quarterback has the ball last wins the game. Through two weeks, you're going to lean Sam Howell because that's what he's done through two weeks. Is I mean, I, I, mean I, I looked at you in the stands five minutes ago. I said he did it last week. Can he do it again? And the kid answered the bell. So he's, you know, I don't know. Before the season started – you probably would have looked at these two as one of the better quarterback duels to watch in this conference, but now it's up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, th- this was one of those ones that people were more interested about because this was two quarterbacks coming off of a battle for their starting positions. Now you're looking at it and saying, okay, let's look at 24-7 sports rankings for the quarterback so far this year. This is number nine versus number 10 through the first couple of weeks. And, I mean, that's 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 with Sam Howell getting the edge. Um, I mean, just let that sink in how good Sam Howell has been. The national media is ranking him number nine in the country amongst quarterbacks for his first two weeks perform- two weeks of performances. So that's – I mean, he's, he's off to a fantastic start. You mentioned it. Here's the thing about Sam Howell that's a little bit different – you know, Jamie Newman, a lot of people, I saw a couple of Wake Forest fans on there arguing, saying that he's clearly the better quarterback because he's done it throughout the entire game. I mean, look, I think, you know, Carolina's definitely trying to show that they are going to be more balanced this year than they've been in the past. I mean, the run game is, has worked pretty well, mostly with Javante Williams in the backfield. They're not going to go away from that, nor should they. But you look at what Sam Howell has done the fourth quarter. 8 of 8 100 for 139 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions when trailing in the fourth quarter. Is that good? That amounts to a 99.1 QBR. Is that good? I wrote in the stock report. That's pretty damn good. There you go. I mean, that's that's pretty much all you can say. And then I want to just add this in by the way. He's a true freshman too. So, like, I mean, that that's the thing. Not only is he doing all of these great things. We saw Mitch Trubisky do some similar stuff. Not quite at that level. This is, I mean, this is crazy. But we saw him do some similar things during the 2016 season. Remember that Mitch was a junior. This young man is a true freshman. Who's, who's had the job his his own for roughly three weeks. Pretty much. Is when, Pretty as much. long as he's been known that he's the guy. Yes, um, when he faces Wake Forest, it will still not even be a month since he found out I am the starting quarterback. And, he, you know, uh, uh, one thing we got to mention is he's – we're not probably going to see Jay Schroeder barring something happen to Sam that, you know – Or gar- garbage time and a blowout. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll probably see him. And, and remember, we entered South Carolina expecting to see both. 
Uh, Mac Brown said the week of the game. I remember when I was out. It was on Monday night I'm, I'm from, from Mac Brown Live. I was out listening to it while I was scouting uh, the 2020 safety Cameron Roseman Sinclair. And I remember standing at the concession line, and in, he says, we're going to go with two quarterbacks. And I'm like – are you are, are you serious? I'm like, oh no, not in my mind. I was thinking, not again. But at the same time, you know, we saw the track record with with Mac Brown and two quarterbacks, much better than Larry Fedora and two quarterbacks. And we even we even thought that the day of the game. Remember, we were discussing in the pregame show. Okay, if they go with the two quarterbacks, you know, we feel like if Sam gets hot, they're going to stick with him. Well, that's pretty much what they did. He got hot, and they told Jace, all right, man. It, it, you're not you're not getting in here, and I think Jace knew that. Um, now you got to hand it to Jace Reuter. Everything that we've heard about Jace Reuter is that he has embraced it fully. He has become a leader on the sideline, even though he isn't out there starting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you gotta you really gotta hand that to Jace Reuter, who has taken this and just run with it. Um, and I mean, this this team, you know, I mean, it, it, it's. It's kind of shocking. I mean, let, let, you know, let's kind of parlay it into this. You know, can the magic continue for a third straight week? Because, I mean, this is this is an immaculate start. No, nobody, and I mean nobody, saw this coming. Nobody thought this team would be two and zero after the first two games of the season. And if you did, more than likely you're lying. You you probably thought that they would lose one of those two games. Um, now you got to go on the road. To an opponent in Wake Forest who is, you know, continuing to show the signs of progression that many thought. It's in their place. It's on a Friday night, and they're they're a team that, yes, has played both of their games so far this year during the week. They played their first game against Utah State was a Friday night, and then last week was last week a Friday. Yeah, so the first two weeks they played on Friday night. This will be the third straight week that they're playing on Friday night. So they're they're used to playing on on Friday nights. That that awkward time slot, that's not going to affect them at all. Is there a chance the magic continues for Carolina? I think there is. Um, I listened to Mac Brown on uh, Packer and Durham this morning on the ACC Network because they pretty much asked him the same thing. Look, you're two and zero. Nobody saw this coming. How do you keep these guys focused? And, you know, you and I, we talked in pre-production. Carolina's an underdog again. So that yep, th- that's, that's that's always good for a team, for a coach to be on his team. Like, hey, look, he even said they still don't believe you're any good because, you know, they're putting you <laughs> right. as underdogs. Um, and there's, they, they've, still, they've still got so much to prove that, like, look, two wins is, is great, but that, we're, we're not here for two wins. I mean, oh yeah, you know this. No, is, so, I agree. Um, the, these kids want more. This is this is another another step towards to where we want to get to as a program. These are games that you you got to win eventually. Mm-hmm. So Friday will be a good chance to learn how to win these games, how to handle a a short week with an awkward time slot in an environment that's it's going to be hard for you to get up because Wake Forest is there's if. There are many places you say there's no environment in college football. There's no environment when you go to Wake Forest, especially on a Friday night in 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 that area in Winston Salem, which is you know that I mean it's in the Triangle area, but more so in the Triad area where they really love high school football. So 
I mean, if if it's, oh, I'm going to go to this game or I'm going to go watch my local school or my child play, I mean, people are going to decide, okay, we're going to go to the high school game. So who knows what that environment's going to be like? Um, I think you're right. It's it's one of those – and that is one of those weird places where – I mean, it's not it's not overly difficult to play, but it's kind of like a trap destination where, like, when you go there, they're always going to play you tough. It's it's never going to be an easy game there. So, um, no, I'm with you. I'm kind of expecting something similar. Um, let's let's go ahead and make our predictions. I'll start. Um, I mean, look, you, you know, we, we've talked about Wake Forest a, a lot here. And basically what we're trying to get you to realize is that this is this is a really good football team as well. These are two really good football teams that are going head-to-head. Um, this is one that, okay, you know, was going to be on national television. But let's be real honest. Nobody on the national landscape was going to pay attention to this coming in. Now they almost kind of have no choice because, I mean, look, the, the wins for Wake Forest aren't overly impressive. They – probably should have won both of those games but you did beat a pretty good Utah State team and you beat a Rice team that looks like it's more more improved than a lot of people thought they were going to be this year I mean they're projected by many to be the worst team in college football they come out week one and almost beat Army who then almost beat Michigan so I mean you take that for what it's worth I don't know how much that really means to you guys but um, for Carolina um, look, they faced two opponents that nobody thought they were going to beat, and they found a way to come back in the fourth quarter both times and beat them with a true freshman quarterback. So now this is must-watch television. Um, you know, I, I think that you know Carolina. You know, there's there's some things that Wake Forest does really well early in the season. I mean, they stop the run really well. They're averaging just letting up 123.5 yards per game, but they haven't faced a run game like Carolina's yet. I think Carolina can run the football well against them. Um, I think Javante Williams has another pretty big night. I think Michael Carter is there as well. Um, and I think, you know, you look at Wake Forest stats in the past defense, uh, look, they've allowed 335 yards passing. Uh, that really sets up well for Sam Howell, especially in the fourth quarter. So I think uh, when, when it comes to clutch time, Sam Howell might have to make a play again late. If there's any quarterback that I'm trusting that's a true freshman right now in the country, it's Sam Howell to make that play. I think uh, it'll be another close one. Uh, I'm going to go Carolina over Wake Forest. Uh, give me 27-23 Carolina over Wake Forest. Yeah, this game uh... – like you said, it's quietly slipped under the radar in a week that's really down for college football as a whole. No yeah, one of the versus, worst ones I've seen in a long time. No ranked versus ranked matchup all weekend right. for, for the sport. Uh, fig, figures to be good. Uh, two teams that are in the same state, um, so they know each other's programs really well. Um, you got a really you got you got a sound football team in Wake Forest. You know what mm-hmm. you're getting. And with Carolina, although we don't really know who we are yet, we're still learning that. One thing you can say when you look at this team is there's confidence in these guys, which we haven't seen since probably that Duke loss at Thursday uh, uh, and Thursday night in 2016. That was kind of the what sent this program in a downward spiral. So you're looking at two plus yep. years of a team that was constantly doubting who they were. That's all changed with Mac Brown, what Sam Howell's done. Um, that's going to be a test. I, I I I do I do like Carolina's options on offense more as a whole as opposed to Wake Forest just because I, I trust our run game more than theirs. Um, and I, I think this game screams shootout. 
And I, I think if, if there's a team built to win a shootout, ultimately I think it's Wake Forest. I, I think their defense is a little bit better than ours right now, as we figure. It is a road game. Look, at some look, Carolina's not going undefeated. Let's get that thought out. This team probably isn't winning the Coastal, which, you know, after we beat Miami, that kind of became the trendy thing was this team is uh, going to win the, this conference or division now. Um, I don't think we're ready for that. They're going to lose. They Quite frankly, they need to lose. It'd be good for this uh, a, a team young to get a loss, especially for Sam Howell, because so now he can really work on the things that he needs to work on. Because when you're winning, all your mistakes get covered up because you won. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Wake Forest makes a one or two plays late. I'm with you. Four-quarter ball game again. I don't think Carolina goes and gets blown out, but I don't think they're going to go there and blow them out. I think they'll lose 35-31. Um, but also, what we'll, we'll, you know, and that the, no loss is good, but I think it'll be a loss where we learn a little bit more about who we are. So, okay, if Carolina was to win this game, what is your key to a Carolina win? If Carolina was to win, they got to do something they didn't do this past week. They got to they got to turn the ball over. That was really mm-hmm. big in the South Carolina game where they forced three. They forced zero this past week. Um, and for a defense that isn't isn't quite ready to, to to win you games without getting turnovers, I think they need to turn Wake Forest over, and uh, and also they got to be more effective running the ball than they were a week ago. Ninety-seven yards on thirty-six carries isn't good enough. It's not going to win you games in conference play. I know this is not a conference game, but we get the gist of what I'm getting at. So taking the ball away and just being more consistent in the running game, whether it's Javante Williams touching the ball more. Because it's kind of, you know, 10 for 76, he should yeah. touch the ball more. But also, Carter Williams, you know, or Carter. Not Michael Carter Williams yeah. is on yeah, now, now, now they're all, they're, they're running they're together. blending together. Uh, 11 for 30, but he kind of looked like last year's where he, he was indecisive. Where in South Carolina, he was, he was, well, this is what I'm doing, and it worked for big runs. Right. So that's where I, I think Carolina's got to be better or just progressing because they took a step back with uh, last week. Interesting to see how we respond with Brian Anderson getting a full week's of rep as a starter. That The offensive line played dip this past week against Miami, where against South Carolina, you couldn't really tell that the two had switched. Um, but a full week being prepared as a starter, you know, figures to have a little bit more settled in. So if they're going to win, probably need to get a turnover or two, run the ball a little bit better, and, and probably not have Sam Howell trying to win the game for a third straight week in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's a lot to ask of a true freshman. And, uh, I mean, you said about creating turnovers – that's that's definitely something that you love to see, but it really hasn't been that easy for Carolina um, over really since that 2015 season, but particularly over the last couple of years. I think in this game, one of the keys again, we saw it. What one of the things that won that game against Miami was just how disciplined the Tar Heels were. One penalty for five yards. I don't think that's going to be. I, I, look, I don't think that's we're, we're going to see that in the game again this year. That's that's crazy to be able to have just one penalty against you. Um, but they have to keep that number low. I'd like to see somewhere around three to four at the max. Um, you know, keep, keep, keep yourself in position. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't end drives before they have a chance to get started. That was something that they did so well against Miami, especially in that first quarter and then late in that fourth quarter. So I think that's going to be one of the big keys for Carolina as well. When you look on the offensive side of the football, I think the big thing is for Carolina, they've just got to be able to find a way to get the ball, you know, downfield a little bit more because 
you know, when they were able to get it downfield in that first half, it really worked to their advantage. They were able to move the chains really well, and I think that opened up the running game a little bit early in that first quarter. We didn't see it as much in the second half, I think, or, or in the second quarter, and then early on in the second half. Um, we saw it a little bit late, of course, but... I think for Carolina, look, you know, if you can open up that deep passing game like we saw, that throw to Deami Brown sort of brought back those feelings like when we you had Mac uh, Mac Brown, Mac Hollins out there catching passes. Um, from Mitch Trubisky, you know, you, you love those deep threats. You love to be able to take the top off of the defense. And I think with, you know, a team in Wake Forest that has allowed as many passing yards as they have, there's going to be opportunities for big plays down the field. If Carolina can hit those explosive plays, something that they've done early on in the season, I think they're going to have a real chance in this game to keep up with a Wake Forest team that's going to score some points. And I think those are the keys to the game. So um, with that, let's, let's do our player to watch in this one. And uh, are we just wanting to go one for the whole team, or are we wanting to go one on each side of the football? I don't know why you ask me questions. Um, it's your podcast. But I'll answer it again. I, I, I like to include my co-host. Uh, I think you should do one on each side of the ball. Okay, yeah. So see? I'll go ahead and just take liberty to go first. On offense, it's, it's, it's very simple that we're, you know, okay, no. Okay, Sam Howell, I'll, you can't say. You can't say, say well, Sam. You know, I'll give you – I'll take my – I'll take a big ugly. I'll take Brian Anderson. Nice. All right, um, all right. He, he's got to be a lot better this week if Carolina hopes to win. Because um, Polino's done, done a really good job for through two weeks of, of, of really helping Sam Howell at the line of scrimmage and really keeping him upright. Right. So, and, and and Anderson did a good job against South Carolina. Wasn't quite as good against uh, Miami, but then kind of locked it down late. So that's not to say that Brian hasn't been good, but now he has no choice but to kind of yeah. step it up and be more consistent. So offensively, I go uh, I go Brian Anderson. Defensively, I want to see if Timon Fox can build off of his performance this past week. Three sacks on the night, three and a half sacks through two games has got him. I think he's like, he's like top five in the country in sacks. I yeah, know three a, and a half because he did have a half a sack in the first game too. So you know, um, so really, you know, this is a guy that we've raved about since he joined the program. That you know, the, he, he can be a really impact player. Didn't see that under uh, Papuchas for two years. But Jay Bateman seems to like him. He's a shifty little dude that can make a lot of things happen in the backfield. So I'd like to see if he can build off what he did this past week. Yeah, uh, two very good players there. Offensively, I think I'm going to go with uh, Toe Groves. Um, I think his role will definitely be expanded this week. Um, It's already expanded from last year. He really is that was for for a while there the number one guy that would rotate in. Uh, Now him and Bo Corrales, because of the injury to Antone Green, are kind of sharing those rotational roles. But so far this season, I mean, look, he has, you know, just six catches. You could say, well, what's six catches? I mean, he he had three catches for 41 yards against Miami, three catches for 35 against South Carolina. So, look, although, you know, the numbers might not be mind-blowing, He's coming in in crucial moments, and he's making the big catches because, I mean, he made the catch on 4th and 17 a week ago. He's shown that, okay, he can handle 
stepping up and playing a little bit of a bigger role. I think he has a nice game against Wake Forest, a team that, as I've mentioned a lot here on the podcast, you know, is having some trouble defending against some of these passing offenses that they're facing. I think he has a nice game on the defensive side of the football. The guy that I'm, I mean, I mean, look, the, the guy that I think everybody's going to be focused on is Chas Harak going up against his brother. I'm interested to see what Jonathan Smith does in his first game back because I think he's going to play a pretty good rotational role especially after how much we had to see Jeremiah Gemmel last week. 14 tackles to lead the team. Um, he's off to a fantastic start to the season. But again, this is a short week. So having a guy like Jonathan Smith back, able to play and help you guys out, I think he's going to play a pretty solid role here um, as the backup to Gemmel and maybe even rotate in a little bit along with Gemmel whenever they want to have both Dominique Ross and Chas Rat on the sideline getting breathers. So I think he's going to be a big help at inside linebacker. It'll be interesting to see what his role is. And then, uh, I mean, another area. We didn't talk about it, but um, the secondary is going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Really, the cornerback spots, because now, with Patrice Rene out for the season, you're pretty much turning to true freshmen. It's going to be Storm Duck, Cameron Kelly. Um, we heard Obi Egbuna's name mentioned a little bit. He's a guy that really turned the football over a ton at the high school level at Charlotte Christian. Uh, that's one of the main reasons that he was brought in. That was a guy that Dre Bly absolutely loved and pounded the table for to offer him and allow him to be a part of this class and so you know that was one of the guys that was brought up by Mac Brown in the press conference so keep an eye out for all those it should be a fantastic game on Friday night it'll start at 6 p.m on ESPN. So that's going to do it for this preview edition of the podcast. Again, we do this every week. We're going to recap the game earlier in the week, and then we are going to uh, to preview the next game sometime later on in the week. Usually, it'll be a Monday recap, and it'll come out on Tuesday, and then it will be a um, somewhere around Thursday uh, preview. That's where we're going to aim. But again, like this week, it'll come out on uh, it, it'll come out Wednesday, um, so that you guys can get a little more time to study up for it um, before, of course, we play. Uh, but we play Wake Forest on Friday night, so um, we'll make sure that we have this out to you guys. And then, of course, um, after it's all over, make sure that you guys read the articles on the website heeltoughblog.com. That's where you can check everything out, and we have our weekly layout for that as well. A typical week, your preview will come out on uh, Friday. Uh, give you a day to prepare for it, read over everything, and then your recap will come out the night of the game or the day after, depending on if it is a night game. If it is, usually we're going to be driving back, especially uh, you know if, if it is a home game. Uh, if not, if it's not a home game and they're on the road and they play at night, maybe it comes out late night, but usually we're going to lean towards releasing it early on Sunday morning so that you guys can read a little bit more about the Tar Heels before you, of course, head into your NFL Sunday and come back on a Monday. That's when we'll do the stock report and then we'll finish it up on Tuesday with the trench reports and then we do it all over again. Of course, everything will be moved up a little bit this week. So your preview will come out on Thursday morning. Make sure that you guys keep an eye out for that. You'll be able to read up and get yourself prepared for that. We'll have the recap on Friday night and then the stock report we'll get to working on. Might release that on Sunday, but if not, It'll just stay on Monday, its normal day. And then, of course, the trench report will come out on Tuesday, written by the guy that you just heard, Josh Marlowe. He's done a fantastic job.
fantastic job the first two weeks. Those have been awesome and have gotten some rave reviews. So make sure you guys check that out. Um, also, some other great stuff on there. You can, of course, check out the podcast on there. Go in there, check out everything else that you need, current schedule, current roster for the Tar Heels, all on HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure that you scroll down to the bottom of the uh, page and subscribe to the newsletter where you can get all of the articles sent to your inbox. You don't even have to worry about missing a single thing. You don't even have to worry about going on social media and uh, looking for all these on Facebook or Twitter. It'll come right directly to your inbox. That's the best way to do it. If you want to go on social media, it's Heel Tough Blog on Facebook or at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. For us, at Future Tar Heel on Twitter for me and at Joshua Marlowe 5 on Twitter for him. So that is it for this preview edition of the podcast. For Josh, for Anthony, we will see you guys next time. And remember, as always, go Tar Heels. Yeah. <laughs>